So we started um, assembling, putting together a message on God's ideal. I started this about two weeks ago. Uh, Nate asked me if I would preach. I started studying and working through God's ideal. And that, was, that was kind of spurred on by conversations that we've had in our men's study, but also conversations that I've had with people throughout my week and that I come across that I interact with. And we talk about scripture sometimes. Sometimes we're just talking about life in general. And taking a look at God's ideal, what God would want for us, how He would want us to live. And where three main topics came up that really made me think about this this topic in, in general is one was on marriage. I was asked about marriage, and that's a that's a big, broad study, and probably one all on its own. I was also asked about church and what my thoughts were on church and if a person should stay with their home study that they're doing and if that, that was adequate and good or if they needed more for their family. And, and of course, then you get into like the American stuff and worship and activities for the kids and all that and what, what I had thought on that. And of course, I explained, you know, our background and how we do things, but... But God's idea, what, what, what does God's idea look like for church? And then just the other night, we had a conversation with a, a couple um, that came over to our house, and they, we, we were talking about Scripture, and um, she said, you know, I, I really struggle with fully and solely focusing on Christ. I think that's rather transparent and vulnerable to, to talk about, but I, I really struggle with that. I, I struggle with not focusing on my kids and my husband and how I have to put all that aside, right? Hate the one and love the other and just focus solely on Christ. But does it, I mean, that's easier to kind of comprehend how God's ideal would play into that. We focus on Christ. Those other things are even better. We're a better husband. I'm a better husband. We're, we're, you're a better wife. You're a better parent. So God's ideal for our living and what He would want for us, I, I started diving deep into that and studying that. And as I studied a little bit further, I was like, no, the, my, my sermon can't be on God's ideal because in order to understand God's ideal Christian life or God's ideal life or ideal way, you have to understand God's will. You have to understand what God wants from us. What He wills for us. Right? So I started studying that. I spent a couple days studying that through. And I gave that one up. Because you can't understand God's will without first understanding God's Word. And that's where I've landed today. It might be a little bit more basic for some of us, but I think all of us need to hear it. You can't understand God's will without His Word. You can't do God's will and live up to His ideal without first understanding His Word. Amen? A man after my own heart who shall fill all my will.
So to understand God's Word, what does it require? Reading the Word. Being in the Word. In order to understand it, you have to read it. You have to study it. You have to go through it. Not every once in a while. All the time. What if his thoughts were superior to ours? I would say they are. His thoughts are superior to ours. And knowing that, how would we, what would we do to gain that knowledge? I, I would be at the feet of Christ. If his thoughts were so superior than mine, I would be at the feet of Christ daily. I printed this out. It's just a little something cool I found. So, Christ coming and fulfilling eight, eight of eight scriptures, right? Coming and actually filling eight scriptures is 100 quadrillion to one odds. Eight. Eight. Now there's some debate on how many there actually are that prophesy the coming of Christ and how He will come specifically. There's a little bit of debate there. We know it's over 300. Some say it's upwards of 450, 456. But eight of them would be 100 quadrillion. One in 100 quadrillion times. That's 17 zeros after a number. That's a lot. And it's such a big number, it's impossible. It's impossible to be just chance. Let's just look at some of those really quick. The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. That was a prophecy. This, that alone, is one in 300 chances. If Christ just fulfilled that one, one in 300. So they take like the population... <laughs> of Bethlehem at the time and they put how many children were born there and it's one in 300 sorry did I say 300 300,000 excuse me so just that alone is 100 one in 100 one in 300,000 the messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey number 2 the messiah is to be betrayed by a friend Messiah is to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah is to be born of a virgin. The Messiah is to be executed by crucifixion. Not only that, by having his hands and feet pierced. That was the prophecy. Number seven, the Messiah is to be given vinegar to quench his thirst. And number eight, the Messiah is to be executed without having a bone broken. Hearing that, well, what do you think? Is Christ the Messiah? Is He the, the Lamb of God? Yeah! Based on that one fact alone, I have an easy time understanding that. That Christ is the, the Lamb of God. That it's not just chance. That it's so much bigger than chance that we can't even fathom. You can't even see 17 zeros in your head right now. Like, try. You can't. You can't see it. You can't fathom that number. So if Christ is 
the Lamb of God, the, the Son of God. And He tells us that He can give us knowledge and understanding. So what then do we do? We go to His feet and we say, teach us. Teach us. Oh, wise one, teach me your ways. Teach me everything I must know. And we can do that. We see an example of that in Luke 10. Let's flip over there. So we have this story of Martha, Mary and Martha. I'm starting in, in verse 38. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the other preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care if my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or... Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Or indeed, only one thing that matters. Mary was at the feet of Christ, listening to what he had to say. The one thing that matters. Isn't that how we should approach our lives? Is that the feet of Christ? Finding out the things that matter to Him and for us? Doesn't that answer all the questions? Don't, don't you think that we'll find our, our questions about marriage and church and our, our position of, with Christ and where He stands in our lives if, if we hold our husbands higher than Him? Don't you think that answer is there? Don't you think He's already given it to us? He has. Psalm 20, David says in Psalm 27, One thing I ask from the Lord is only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Just like in Psalm 1, we should read and we should meditate on the Word. The Word from Christ and then we'll establish deep roots. A deeper understanding of Christ and what He desires for our lives happens when we are in the Word. So many times I go to the Word looking for a cure to my problems, 
like I take ibuprofen for a headache, right? So many times I go to the word retroactively looking at an answer or looking for an answer that I have a question on. Just like I take medicine after I have a headache. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, my head hurts, Liz. I got this headache. And I usually get them like right in the back of my neck from stress or whatever. And she goes, did you, did you drink much water? No. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I haven't had any today or yesterday. That explains a lot about the color of my pee. But it, wouldn't it be better to take the word more like that water as preventative rather than as a cure? It is both. Don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with going to the Word to find out and to seek a solution to a problem. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear me say that. But wouldn't it be better if we were proactive and we already knew or we had an idea or if it was never a headache at all? All because we had a clear understanding of what Jesus would want in that situation? So, Miles is playing baseball now. And I'm trying to teach him how to bat, because it's, it's, more, it's more fun in baseball if you can hit, right? Baseball's way more fun if you can make some runs. And I'm trying to teach him how to hit, and I'm throwing the ball to him like, no, son, you know, your elbows, your hands, your feet, your knees, swing through. I'm teaching him all this, and he can't hit the ball. I'm tossing the ball over, and strike, strike, strike. And it's frustrating for him because all he wants to do is hit the ball and all I want him to do is learn how to hit the ball. And I said, stop, stop, stop. I don't care if you hit the ball. I don't care if you hit the ball. For right now, right here, we're going to work on form. We're going to work on how to hit the ball. You don't, don't worry about hitting the ball. Just keep your hands where they need to be, elbows up, bat where it needs to be, bend your knees, Step into it, swing through. We spent the whole evening working on that. The next day, I said, son, do you remember what I told you? Yeah. Okay, now just hit the ball. Don't worry about that other stuff, just hit the ball. And that's because we can't consciously work on something and subconsciously do it at the same time. It's impossible. We can't. And that's the same for a situation we can't consciously go to the Word at the same time making a decision based on our knowledge of Scripture. We can't. So I recently started working out. I know, you can tell, right? And I don't have much of a background at all in lifting. Especially Olympic lifting, but I'm trying. I'm getting better. And my weights are getting better. But what I've realized is that when I try to put up, I don't know if I should be honest with you or. <laughs> when I try to clean 125 pounds, right? And I'm there working on my form and I'm trying to get my quick elbows and dip into it and lift it up. It's hard to do 125 pounds. But if I spend the whole time working at 225 pounds, when I set up to a 200 and whatever pound bar, it'll go up quick. 
if I just stop thinking about how to do it. And I instinctively, if I subconsciously know, I've worked at it, I've, I've, I've paid attention to the mechanics, I can put up a lot more weight. I don't fail the lift. I actually will go through with that lift. That's the same with Scripture. Is that when we are in the Word daily, when we are working on our form, when we understand Scripture, that when it's actually time to do something with it, we can't. We don't have to pause the conversation. I don't have to pause the conversation on marriage or any of those other subjects to go back and say, well, let's just talk about the this, this surface level stuff. I'll come back to you. Hopefully we'll get another, another conversation going where we can talk about the deeper meaning of this and what Scripture actually says. Right? Does that make sense? I think about how useful God's Word is. And, uh, let me go back. I think about how useful knowing God's Word is when I look at Acts 8 and the eunuch. And we'll come back to the eunuch again at the end of the sermon. But when I look at the eunuch, and Philip's going down the road, and here's this eunuch, and he's reading the Old Testament, and he, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no, how can I if somebody doesn't Explain it to me. Can you imagine if Philip stopped right there and he was like, yeah, I will. Hang on. Let me, let me freshen up a little bit here on Scripture so I can tell you what's going on. No. No. It's the opposite is true. I think we need to approach the Word like Moses going up to Mount Sinai. Right? Can you imagine how he felt going to the top of the mountain to receive those commandments from God? How wonderful that must have been to be at the feet of God, to be with God. Can you imagine what that was like? And then to be able to take these commandments and the Word of God down to the people of Israel? That's what it's like when we know and understand the Word. Something I had thought about when, when thinking about Moses is really one of the worst outcomes for anyone that's preaching. Anyone that preaches up here, whether it's Donaldo or Nate or Jared or myself, anyone that gets up here, one of the worst outcomes for us is that you all leave this place, go off, and anxiously wait to come back in a week to hear more Scripture. That that is the, the, the highlight of your study. That is the highlight of your time with Christ. That that's it. This once a week that you go away and you... You do whatever in life. You don't open or crack your Bible again. And then you come back here to be fed. That is the worst case scenario. Is that you were dependent on us to feed you. Solely on us to feed you. We will let you down. 
we will fail. But can you imagine, though, if it was a little bit different than that? If each week you heard a sermon and it, it invigorated you and you went away and you read and studied and investigated and then we came back together as a group and talked about not what just happened over the week, but what we learned from the Bible and from Christ. And what happened in our life that shed light on what we were learning and how that influenced us. And how we're just gaining a deeper understanding of Him. What if that was the case? That's what I'm coming across as I'm studying this and looking for God's ideal and how quickly I got to God's Word and how we can't even go on to discuss those things until we, we plan our foundation in Christ and His Word. Isaiah 55.9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways, declares the Lord. As heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We live in a, in a time when everybody thinks about something or feels a certain way about something. But what if we approached life uh, through Christ's eyes? What if we looked at his thoughts and wondered what his thoughts are and what he had to say? What if our decisions and what we thought were based on his thoughts? Just like the heavens that are higher than the earth, when we study his thoughts, we gain a much bigger knowledge of what's going on around us than when we are solely dependent on our thoughts. What if we said, what are his thoughts? Psalm 147.4 says, He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. You want to understand God's perfect will and how He wants you to live your life? It's right here. It's right here. And it, does, it isn't discovered by just checking it out every once in a while. It's only discovered to its full potential, to your full potential in Christ by understand, reading and understanding the Word. I guess I should tell you why what I'm here to tell you today, right? But it hasn't how it how it goes. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them tell them what you told them. Well, I'm going to tell you all in one. I'm here to tell you that being in the word on a daily basis is essential. Essential. And it's not fueled by solely by a decision. It's fueled by a desire. Those are two different things. I decided to work out. 
right? I decided to start working out. I made it one time this week. I decided, I said, I decided that I would work out at least four times a week, three times a week, four times a week. I decided that, four times a week. And I would go ride my bike every Saturday. That's what I decided. But I made it one time this week and I rode my bike yesterday. That's what I decided. But I have a desire, right? So I'll keep going. This week, we'll just keep moving on. There's a difference between a decision and desire. If you have a desire to discover Christ, if the Holy Spirit is ringing inside of you, you may not fulfill your decision, but you will fulfill your desire and the desire that He has for you. Let me take that back. You'll just discover the desire that He has for you and His desire. Proverbs 35, 35 says, Every word from God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 147.10, so we read 4, we're going to read 10 now. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is it delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights and those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. So let's go back to the eunuch, the story about the eunuch in Acts 8. I'm going to flip back there with me if you're not already on it. So 827. Talking about Philip. And on his way home, he was sitting. Oh, sorry. Let me go back even a little bit further. This man, a little bit above 28. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in, in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So this this character, this eunuch, um, for all of you who don't know, he's probably in the royal court in order to be there, not have royal lineage. Um, he was castrated so that he could not be promiscuous with the other royal people. And he's in a chariot, so he must work for some sort of royalty. But he's sitting there reading Isaiah. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard a man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. In this passage of scripture, the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet? Who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began 
with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip was baptized. They came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But they went on rejoicing. There's a couple different there's a couple different things in there. Um, first, something I hadn't noticed actually until I was reading this. I don't know how I didn't. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear was silent. Christ was silent. When he was put up with Pilate, he was silent. He stood silent. And that's a prophecy. That's crazy. It's crazy cool. But more on to what my, my subject is about. Something to understand as a new Christ believer or a person that is, is trying to gain a closer understanding of Christ and His teachings a lot of what's here will be very difficult to know and understand even if you read it, if you don't have the Spirit. If Christ isn't dwelling in you, it's going to be pretty tough to grasp some of these topics and understand them. The other part of that is, and back to my my other message, here we are as Christians. Vessels in which the Holy Spirit is dwelling within. And what do we say to that person on the side of the road reading Scripture that doesn't understand it yet? Sorry, I don't either. Sorry, I haven't taken the time to get to know it a little bit more. No. No, we come prepared with our sword. We come prepared with the knowledge. And with that, we help this man find his way to salvation. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and I really love you guys. And I hope you leave here ready to study. I hope when you go home tonight that you open your Bible and you you read a little bit before you go to bed. Um, there's a really great Bible app that helps you go through the Bible in one year. Jump on that. It's like five verses a night, six verses a night. It may take 15 minutes. But what it does to your awareness, what it does to your, your daily interactions and how close you are to Christ is crazy. It's crazy. When you're talking to somebody, you're like, dang, he was right. I just read about that. I just read that. Thank you. Who's got uh, communion? All right.